0: Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts Souls and minds. Right. Hello and welcome back to the Soul Grit podcast. This is Anne and I'm here with Andrew Syed, who is the CEO and founder of A Way Through. And I'm going to let Andrew introduce himself and and tell us a little bit more about who he is and what his organization does. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Thank you, Anne. I appreciate the opportunity to be a be a guest here. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew.
1: Uh, a little bit about myself. That's such a broad, open question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so first and foremost, uh, I'm, a, I'm a father of two great kids, uh, two sons, um, uh, I was born in England uh, but uh, obviously don't have an accent anymore. i uh, mm-hmm. uh, lived on this side for quite a while. Um, I have a diverse career professional background. I was in youth ministry for a little while. Um, I also have a humanitarian and human rights background. My master's degree is in human rights and international mm-hmm. development so i worked all over the world in, in context of poverty and and deprivation and and human rights issues. Mm -hmm. Um, I also coach high school soccer. um, And uh, and these days (laughs) I I help lead uh, or I lead an organization called a way through, which is focusing on mental health access and uh, breaking stigma and and helping people get connected to resources that uh, Mm -hmm. need help. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm up to these days. Yeah. I live in Colorado. Um, you know, the typical Colorado person, outdoors, skiing, hiking, yeah, stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, the reason why I wanted to have you come talk to SoulGrit listeners was because uh, one of the goals for my my life work is to make healthcare, mental health care more accessible for all people. I specifically focus on the Christian community um, feeling more comfortable with accessing mental health care, with breaking down stigmas that the church may have about that, but um, there's, there's a lot of ways that people don't have access, and so through your organization, those, those ways that they maybe don't have access might have to do with socioeconomic status or color of your skin or the kind of community that you live in things like that um, so uh that's that's really i see us as, as kind of like partners on the same kind of journey just uh hitting a different population but first before we get into a little bit more of what your organization does can we talk a little bit about your own mental health journey and how you got to the place that you were even interested in this stuff
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a big part of our organization and, and part of my life as a whole is, is uh, telling our stories. So yeah, feel free to tell that I'm, I'm free to tell that story and 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 how I got to here. So yeah, I don't know if you have specific questions, or you just kind of want me to. Yeah.
0: So, well, yeah, I read on your uh, website that you had had a um, mental health uh, crisis of type of some sort uh, that you needed treatment yourself. Can you tell us about
2: that?
1: Yeah, um, I I call it a, a breakdown. You know, um, mm-hmm. we've sort of had days and, and maybe seasons of, of struggle, but for me, it was a complete and utter breakdown. Of some of my 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 wording these days is is retroactive. Um, you know, like I I understand these, but at the time, I didn't understand what was yeah. happening to me. So, um, yeah, I had a, a breakdown. I was. Um, in the midst of a separation and and divorce uh, Mm -hmm. process. Um, There were other extenuating circumstances in my life as well. Um, But over the course of several years, it was kind of a slow slide, if you will, and then a a spectacular crash. Um, And that crash involved me. um, And again, I had no idea what was happening in my body and in my brain. Uh, It wasn't that I was just feeling low I was an unproductive, incapable member of society, and I was very suicidal. Mm. Um, I was sleeping on a friend's sofa, and I, I when I say sleeping, I didn't sleep for 10 days. Uh, yeah. I would lay awake at night uh, feeling all kinds of, I, I don't know how to describe it, other than the, the wording I have these days was, was I was definitely locked into my trauma. Um and uh, but I didn't know what was happening. And on on a Friday night, as the night was approaching, I I did not trust myself to make it through the night. Um and so somehow I remember getting up, I remember telling my friend, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the ER. <laughs> and um, so I drove myself, it's about 20-minute drive into boulder and, and walked into an emergency room and just walked up and said i don't trust myself not to hurt myself and yeah they know what to do you know they took me back um they brought a um i guess they have in er's you know people on call for for mental health emergencies and they brought someone in and he was asking me these questions and what, you know he's like oh you're you're in the middle of panic attacks <laughs> I, I just remember saying i don't have panic attacks like, <laughs> my mother has panic attacks i don't have panic attacks mm-hmm. you know I, like um i just had this like that's not my space that's not my world this is something else it has to be something else you know and he just was like no you're you're having panic attacks and you know he help me breathe a bit and you know mm-hmm. and they watched me through the night But two days later, um, I, I found myself in a a trauma treatment center, uh, for a 35 day residential in house recovery that, that decision was already in process before this night, but you know, this, this brought it boom, I got to go. Um, Has
0: to happen now. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So a friend of mine drove me to Santa Fe and, um, uh, I, I, I walked in and, and um, I literally was in the fetal position on a couch. I, 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 I have a pretty, pretty eclectic background professionally. I've traveled the world. I've worked for some high-end organizations. I have a master's degree. Mm -hmm. I have two great sons. I had a family, married a long time. And all of a sudden there I am on the floor in the fetal position in a trauma treatment center.
2: Yeah.
1: Wondering what just happened to my life
2: yeah
1: and who am i and how do i get rid of whatever this stuff is going on inside of me that was my Mm -hmm. breakdown and that week that first week there was coming to terms with what i had to learn what was happening to me yeah that was was really difficult
2: yeah
0: so even though you could look at your life and say like things are pretty good you know i'm accomplished i have family i have all these things like it didn't make sense to you that you would be suffering this thing and and even maybe you said that your mom had panic attacks but maybe yours looked a little different than what she experienced huh
1: well i say that a bit in jest um i certainly have you know the word dysfunctional family is overused um Mm. uh well, I'll just say this the first couple of days in the treatment center, you know, they, they sort of take you through an assessment, right? And mm-hmm. um, um and so and they literally extract your your life story from birth, even pre-birth to now, you know, because yeah. they're trying to to figure out what is this guy's issue. And mm-hmm. I remember near the end of that two-day assessment or whatever it was, saying to them look, if I want to, I made this mistake or this happened, if these three or four things wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't even be here. And they, they just kind of very empathically and very compassionately said, Andrew, like if, if what you're telling us is true about your childhood, your early childhood, Mm -hmm. your teen years, your, 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 your college years and on, they said a few things. First of all, we're very, very impressed. Like you do have this accomplished life, you you yeah. you you have you've, you've, you've been quote unquote successful. That were very, I don't impressed, moved, mm-hmm. but your your trauma has caught up with you. Number one and number two, and I I just remember this as it was yesterday. And I'm sorry I get emotional about this, but um yeah, they said I was a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting there, like, both hearing it, but not believing it. Like, I thought, okay, yeah, I knew that stuff happened to me as a kid, right? And they're like, no, there's more that probably happened to you. They don't even remember. I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. I don't know if I believe that. And they're like, but even if there wasn't more, what you just described is more than enough for you to be yeah. flying off the rails in your mid-40s. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, I dealt with that. I built a family. I took care of things. I, I... I built a humanitarian career. I I found, you know, no, 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 like that's not my story. And they just had to like sort of convince me that it's okay that that's your story. And that has to be dealt with. And that is ultimately, and this is hard. And I think it's hard in our Christian communities because we focus so much on black and white and right, and wrong and sin and not sin or whatever. But they were like, that story is the narrative that is causing The issues now you know it's not your fault yeah it is your responsibility but you cannot Mm -hmm. divorce your current state of being from that and and that just felt to me colossally unfair and unjust that my childhood could be stolen because of parents other you know all that stuff But also then my adult piece could be stolen because of that childhood, yeah i I, I still struggle with that um, mm-hmm. thing, but so yeah, so i I decided somewhere in that to dive in and figure it out mm-hmm. and um, as we say, do the work because I want yeah. the life back and, yeah that was my uh, story (laughs) a bit
0: yeah yeah so you completed that program and then I know sometimes it can feel when you get out of like an intensive like that then now now what do you do coming out of that did you go into more of like an outpatient treatment or did you have a, a counselor or something
1: i had a therapist uh coming out you know and yeah when i came out i came out to a blank slate of my life so to speak Mm -hmm. You know, my marriage was ending um so so you know i I tell people i lost family i lost community Mm -hmm. um i lost in some sense career because i was literally i was i don't want to use the word but i was kind of disabled i was unable to work um you know the Mm -hmm. right mindset um so career family community i mean these are the big things and and so but i i engaged in, in regular weekly therapy still do um mm-hmm. and I, I the work doesn't stop i am in and then i had to learn about boundaries like I, I i had to learn that um there are certain things in my life that on the outside appear very laudable and, and people congratulate me for like like my humanitarian work or my my people pleasing skills and all these mm-hmm. things. What those really were were compensating for chaos. And yeah. and so I had to learn how to say no I have to learn how to say no and, and whatnot. And and so yeah, I I still am in a process. This was five years ago, but I still am in a process of healing and, and, and understanding. Mm-hmm. I read a book coming out that I'm sure you're aware of called The Body Keeps the Score. And yeah. um that was both very enlightening and 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 empowering as well as devastating to read because I could just see myself yeah. throughout that whole book. Mm-hmm. And I just I remember just buying copies of the book and wanted to wanting to give it to everyone and anyone that that was in my life and and saying, and especially people close to me that I hurt, you know, mm-hmm. through my own acting out. And to be fair to them, some of them are like, yeah, you know, but um for me personally it just helped me realize that some of the issues that we deal with are physiological
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know there's a reason that that people hurt people hurt people damage people damage people right and and until so we break those cycles then then we're just going to keep hurting each, and it's just not a simple black and white issue so um but yeah coming out it's it's a continual rebuild and, and even today and this week because life is life life Mm -hmm. still brings hurts and pains and disappointments um but i'm motivated because i have two amazing sons that i want um both to be around for but also for them to live life to the fullest yeah and if we don't i fully believe if we don't deal with our trauma As I've heard said, we might as well gift wrap it and give it to them. Right. And I refuse to do that. Yeah. There's no way. So.
0: And I'm saying to clients all the time who are brave enough to come to therapy when no one else in their whole family has, that they are the chain breakers. Like they can break the pattern of the trauma that gets transmitted from generation to generation. So it's a very brave thing that you're doing right now.
1: I appreciate that. It doesn't feel great. Right. Most days I feel broken. And Mm -hmm. and um, but that's part of the healing is to recognize, okay, I'm not broken. I'm not Mm -hmm. I have a story, but I'm adequate, I'm capable, I'm strong. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a convincing because those messages don't readily live inside my head. Yeah. They just don't. So, so yeah, my weekly therapy session is pretty vital. And I, you know, I'm involved in some treatments like EMDR, mm-hmm. brain spotting. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how your audience will take to this, but you know, there, there's, there's, there's um, research around ketamine and these kind of treatments mm-hmm. of, of our brains are physiological objects that, that
2: right.
1: and just like sometimes a computer needs a reboot or rewiring. Yeah. I was taught certain things and and those need to be unlearned. Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to be releasing this episode, but my audience will either already know about EMDR and brain spotting, or they will be learning about it shortly. So um, those are are some things that I want to make sure that uh, this, this group of people are familiar with, because there's such powerful tools for us to be able to, Kind of line up our healing with how God created our brains to heal themselves.
1: Well, you mentioned stigma for different audiences, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, I think in in a context of a faith community, there's so many people that are hurting mm-hmm. that it, yeah, and they're doing their best to pray, go to church, mm-hmm. whatever. And what they need is real help. Yeah, You know, just as if, all right, if I broke my arm, mm-hmm. I can pray all day, but I need to go to the hospital and get a cast and maybe yeah. go through the pain of getting it reset
2: yeah. and
1: then letting it rest and heal. And I don't think anyone would argue with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mental health space, it's the same thing. We need to take these times and go, all right, you know what? You need to go talk to someone. You know, and not just talk, but maybe there's some work here to do, and it's okay. It sucks, but it's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to go get a cast on my arm. That's mm-hmm. inconvenient. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right.
1: You know, but to just, I, I feel like a lot of people are just sitting there and suffering. Yeah. And then in my experience, not only are they sitting and suffering with their own stuff, but then sometimes they're hearing messages from the stage that, hey, are not good enough,
2: right?
1: And that's damaging, right?
0: And we can think about that broken arm metaphor and and think about if you chose not to get get your arm reset and casted, like you would probably heal eventually, but you would be in pain for a long time, and then your functionality for the rest of your life wouldn't be the same because you didn't get it taken care of the way that it needed and so this this is the kind of care
1: and it would depend then with that analogy on the severity of the break right Mm -hmm. you can break your arm and it's not displaced and then yeah it'll it it could heal if you take care of it but if there's displacement or it's exposed i mean you can die (laughs) you know uh from those kind of things and i think that is true with those no one goes through childhood and early adulthood unscathed Mm -hmm. but there are levels of damage and things like abandonment and certainly the 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 large a abuse abusiveness is sexual abuse physical abuse verbal abuse even abandonment Mm -hmm. itself Mm -hmm. is i think unrecognized as a huge deal and yeah um those are are severe breaks that need help in order for us to then in our adulthood have healthy families and healthy communities and and healthy healthy relationships with ourselves, which then create healthy families and healthy communities and i don't think that's i think that's a message that's lost in the faith community Mm -hmm. but it does say love your neighbor as yourself I would assume that means that there's a good relationship with yourself there and
0: you have to take care of
1: yourself too
0: um so that seems like maybe a good transition what what is this tell us about a way through
1: Let's so there. <laughs> yeah way through is an organization founded by four of us two therapists myself with a humanitarian background and and, and another colleague who has communications background and um as I was going through my stuff and coming out, um, I had a lot of time on my hands and I was thinking about how at the time I had the resources to get the help I needed. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, you know, my ex-wife and I, we had equity in a home. I was able to pull some of that equity and pay for my 35 days away. Yeah. Uh, and then the ongoing treatment. And I just remember thinking, wow, like I was, that was, that's pretty lucky. Um, and most people wouldn't have that access to that, not only under resource communities that we think about, but just middle-class people in general, yeah. like, like therapy is expensive and, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, you know, therapists are, are specially trained people. They're not just someone who's a good listener. <laughs> they, they know what they're doing and, and yeah. <laughs> they, they've, they've had to go through high-end education and, and all that. So, so they are worth that time and money, but for those of us who need the help, it, it becomes an access issue. And so I began to toy around with mm-hmm. starting an organization that addresses that financial need. And I thought about just literally raising money. Someone wants therapy, they, they jump through a couple of hoops and we pay for their therapy. That was as basic as I thought. Yeah. And, and then two of my colleagues, Chris and Jackie, were having similar ideas away from me um, out in Los Angeles they were responding to the racial tensions in our country especially in 2020 Um, Jackie's an African-American woman Chris is a white male they were having these kind of conversations specifically after after George Floyd and Chris and I go way back and he saw a post that I put online just about suicide prevention and whatnot And, and so he called me and he had remembered that I have an experience I have experience in starting nonprofits. And and so, um, he asked if I'd be interested, like I said, serendipitously, we had a similar idea. Uh, and so that's kind of how we started. And, And we just started to build an organization from the ground up talking about access and stigma. And, you know, we went through the, the 501c3 process. We, uh, um, you know, created a mission statement, values, just organizational stuff, mm-hmm. built our website and put ourselves out there and began to raise money and began to build relationships with other organizations who have clientele but need money to help those clientele get into therapy. They also had therapist mm-hmm. networks. And so we're building relationships with them. And so yeah, we're 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 functioning in that way now. And you know, it's tough, it's startup. Uh no one's gotten paid a whole lot, um
2: yeah
1: you know um, but uh um, the need is there. Uh, I've done nonprofits in the past specifically in in my humanitarian work as far as like overseas work, with this one, mental health, I have not had to convince one person that this is an issue Wow not one, you know, and I was like, oh yeah, mental health. Yeah. I don't think that's an issue in our country. Like, okay. You know, everyone knows themselves or they know someone close to them that know some people may be in denial about themselves, but everyone knows these are issues to be dealt with. And so, so yeah, we're, we're kind of rolling along and, um, the stigma part, we started a podcast ourselves. We tell our stories, uh, you know, I, I mean, if you wanted to pick my story apart, I, I'm pretty vulnerable and open with all of it—the good, mm-hmm. bad, and the ugly. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, if we're not honest, then then we're, other people are going to continue to do what they're doing. And I would like, I would like someone out there to not have my story because yeah. my story exists, right? And so we tell our stories and we get other people to come on and, and tell their story as much as mm-hmm. they want to about their own journey. And, and the yeah.
0: So are people currently getting their therapy uh, paid for or subsidized by a way through?
1: Yeah. Um, we already, when we launched in July of uh, 2021, officially launched mm-hmm. and put ourselves out there as, as ready for service, if you will. Uh, it took us about six weeks before um we had a wait list, oh wow, and so uh um, yeah, so we kind of had to slow things down, um uh, but we're in a space right now where yeah, there are people lined up and and so now we're we're looking for more resources so we mm-hmm. can know both build the organization but yes get people the help they need mm-hmm. uh, in these mm-hmm. communities and I should say too, a big part of our our organization is focusing in on communities of color and, and, and otherwise under-resourced communities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyone that needs and wants, that's a big thing and wants help. Mm-hmm. We can connect them with, uh, a network of therapists through, um, our network to get them the help they need up to 10. We'll, we'll pay up to 10 sessions. Okay. Um, and then we go from there, but, uh, that's, um, that's kind of our model. That's great.
0: So right now, would you say what you're needing more is um, more financial uh, help or do you need more therapists to get involved or more community members to get involved? What, what does the organization need right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, all of those would be true, but, but to sort of triage it First and foremost, is is we need people that believe in our mission to to uh, do one of two things: uh, connect some of their financial resources with us and their own philanthropic mm-hmm. uh, um, motivations, or connect us with people that have those interests as well. Um, yeah. Because, like any nonprofit, you know, we need income, and that's how we raise money uh, mm-hmm. to get people the service they need. And without that, people won't get help. So. Um, mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost on our list, and, and I, I would say to your audience, if, if people are connecting with this, go to our website, you know, way through dot org, mm-hmm. and and make a donation and and connect it with people because that's how people are getting help. Mm-hmm. Um, therapists to to join in, we don't have our own network per se, but we are. Mm-hmm um we could connect a therapist with the networks we have and even ad hoc you know if there were therapists like hey i want to be involved um could you send clients my way at at this rate or whatever you know if we had more Mm -hmm. to that especially therapists who specialize in and or understand you know sort of diversity issues and and Mm -hmm. things but yeah um, and then to spread the word in, in that community um as well um yeah so networking fundraising um therapists all of it is needed
0: and then if people are listening and they or someone they know needs therapy and they feel like they don't have the means to get that how would they get on the waiting list
1: so they would go to our website and there's a link called get help uh Mm -hmm. and they would click on that and go through that process um and uh uh that, that's how and, and depending on their sort of personal situation
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know if they have insurance that that can connect them in some ways that you know there's an organization we connect them through that can deal with that if they don't have any of that coverage um then there's other spaces but yeah just going to to our website and get help is the link okay,
0: okay. great And, um, I know, um, just a little bit about you, like you said, you had a a ministry background. I know Jackie is a pastor's wife and Chris has a ministry position as well. Um, but the organization is not specifically Christian, correct?
1: Not, not in the way that you're asking. No, I mean, we we just are out there to help people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, certainly the faith community is its own entity and space, but, uh, Mm -hmm. We're just out there in the world doing our thing and and,
2: yeah.
1: Uh I I don't necessarily subscribe to secular and non-secular. I mean we're all we're all Mm -hmm. under the same sky. And um Mm -hmm. uh yeah, people need help, you know, and 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 until we until we sort of look in the mirror and go, maybe I'm the one that needs help. (laughs) Um we're gonna keep seeing all these cycles, whether they're in our families in our communities we're going to see them all continue and mm-hmm. and so um
0: i just want to point out too for for listeners who maybe that were raised in the church and they feel like the gospel work is just telling people about jesus and being involved in a church that um serving people who need help like what you're describing andrew that is gospel work and so whether you are um, proclaiming the name of Jesus while you're doing it, or you're just loving them and serving them, that that is what we are called to do in the Bible. So thank you for, for one, for starting this organization, and then for you coming on and telling us about it so more people can be involved and see more people get the healing that they need. So before we wrap up here, I want to ask you the question that I ask all the guests, which is what are you doing for soul care?
1: uh, it's a great question. Uh, sometimes not enough. Um, (laughs) uh, I could answer that in a few ways. One is I I do have a weekly therapy session, which is Mm -hmm. is vital for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I, uh, um, I'm about to go on a hike with my son, um, being the sunshine, um, uh, things like, um, this is all all very very important for soul mental all care is um eating well exercising Mm -hmm. uh, taking care of our bodies uh it's all connected um community is is vital last night i was out with a friend and i just i needed that even though i didn't want to do it Mm -hmm. um, at the time uh so those those are the ways that i would answer that initially Mm -hmm. uh now um yeah my relationship with faith is is different these days and, and that, could, mm-hmm. that could be a different conversation <laughs>
2: yeah
1: um but yeah i you know someone asked me andrew do you pray and i was like yeah i i do but my prayers are a lot different than they used to be like like they don't follow a formula it's like a yeah. there's a, there's a bit of a desperation like like god if, if you're there uh this is where the need is, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. uh So the formulas that we learn sometimes get in the way of the relationship that we need. And um, so, yeah, that that's yeah. these days how I uh, sort of care for my soul.
0: Yeah, and I would definitely say that God is more concerned about having an authentic relationship with you than you pray in a certain way or saying the right things or doing the right things, you know? So thank you for sharing that with me. I think for soul grit listeners, that's going to sound a little bit familiar that we take care of our bodies. We exercise, we sleep well, we eat good food. We spend time with our community and we kind of tap into our spirituality too. So um, thank you for reiterating that and showing us how you do that in your own flavor. And just want to thank you for being here today.
1: And thanks a lot for the opportunity to, uh, to share, uh, about a way through and I'll encourage your listeners to go check out our website and, and, uh, yeah, if, if people feel led in their own way, do help us out and, uh, mm-hmm. and make some donations to, to get people the help they need.
2: Yeah. Perfect.
0: The soul grit podcast is a production of soul grit resources. You can find more at soul dot com or on the socials at SoulGrit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.